Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book. I'm a registered dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Sherry Glazer, a registered dietitian and a bee farmer who has found her passion of educating other health and wellness professionals on nutrition and farming. She shares her real-life experiences of both professions with a very down-to-earth approach and sincerely finds joy in all the ups and downs of life. Please enjoy my conversation with Sherry. Besides your simple suppers, I am so glad that you're here today to chat with me and kind of tell me just more about you and your journey so far. So I know we might be digging a little bit back, but when did you kind of decide that dietetics was kind of something that you wanted to do when you grew up? That's a really fun and interesting question. So I grew up um, agriculturally, so I grew up on a farm where we raised wheat and cattle here in Oklahoma, um, but I also had a significant interest in sports. Um, and so sports, I love playing basketball, um, went to a very small school, um, so basketball was like definitely the jam. Um, but also mm. like 4-H, uh, health and fitness was kind of my 4-H project, like that was my fun thing, I always enjoyed it. And I got to play uh, basketball collegiately, and so that ultimately was where the light bulb moment had eventually went off with sports and nutrition. Um, and I loved healthcare, but I didn't like the blood and things um, as far as the world of nursing or even a physician things went. Um, and so ultimately I went and my cousin was like, hey, you might want to consider becoming a registered dietitian. So I uh, went and followed a dietitian, a couple of them. And I was like, I think I, this really fits with kind of my whole life and it all kind of, kind of came together. And so I transferred and ended up at Oklahoma State University um, and finished my bachelor's there. I got my master's there and I'm actually coming up on 10 years of my anniversary of becoming a dietitian. So that um, is a big, I feel like that's a big milestone. Doesn't that seem like it? that. It is. I mean, it is though, because if you think about our profession, I think a lot of people leave the profession way before they hit 10 years. So, (laughs) so yeah, kind of reflecting back on that I had, and like, it's been interesting because I really didn't know. I always have had a pull for agriculture and I really never knew how it was going to come back together um, because I felt like I was like, definitely like going a direction, you know, healthcare is like, where does ag fit into that? And so that was something I was um, anyway, interested in figuring out how that was going to come back together. That's so, I love that. I love, and I, you know what I think like probably 10 years ago, even like, I would say that's probably when egg and dietitians maybe started to kind of cross paths a little bit more. Do you kind of feel that way too? Yeah, I wasn't as exposed to as much as the opportunities that we have now um, that I actually get to be a part of now. Um, and so that's what I find is so incredibly interesting that kind of has the thing as things have evolved and my involvement in agriculture and our family farming ourselves, um, that how it has definitely become interconnected and people are very curious about how their food is raised because the access to it is 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 of course somewhat limited because only two percent of us actually raise the food that we we get to eat. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that was the statistic. 2%. That's so interesting. And we have how many people to feed? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And so that's why it's always interesting to me because people like they honestly have very curious and they don't like understand kind of the behind the scenes. And so that's something I enjoy doing, especially on my social media is just to kind of, hey, 
we're just one farm. We're just one place. Um, and here's what we do. And here's how, um, you know, the kind of the beef process and we raise wheat as well too, and kind of how it gets to ultimately to our tables and grocery stores. And that's, I think that's so valuable for not even just dietitians, but for just all people to kind of see just a natural person in their environment as a farmer doing what they do day to day. Yeah, the human can, the power of human connection. And if, if the pandemic didn't make that aware before, it definitely has made it now that there's just something about being connected to humans um, yes. that we just want that. <laughs> we do. It's like we yearn for it now. It's like, oh, I just want that human connection. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So when you, 10 years ago, when you finished up your, I mean, that's again, an amazing story, but when you finished up your degree and you got your, did you do your master's right after your undergrad? Did you just go right into that? Yep. So I went ahead and went, flowed right on into graduate school and did that. And then at Oklahoma State, you finish that first and then you do your internship. And so once I was in, I was in, I wasn't coming back out. (laughs) Um, I knew that I wanted to do like, I just, I really wanted to work at a hospital. I really wanted to do clinical dietetics and that's where I started. So before I even um, had passed my test, I was able to, to snag on to a job at a major hospital system in Oklahoma city. Um, And I worked there for a number of years, um, enjoyed it, loved it. Um, But also life was evolving through that time as well too. And I got to transition to outpatient and gosh, I love the outpatient piece. Um, because that's where the more of the prevention side of it is definitely brought to light versus, you know, in the clinical setting, you're definitely mm-hmm. not able to do much prevention. Um, and so, and then things kind of evolve from there. Um, I was, I was married at the time and had kids. Um, so my husband and I married into another farming family. So my husband and I have our own farming operation um, now as well too. So we, we are um, raised beef cattle um, and wheat um, and we've raised Milo and sesame and canola really focused on kind of diversifying some things um, around here. And so I was got to transition to some rural hospitals as well too. Um, and then eventually a contract job came up with the Oklahoma beef council, which was, that was my light bulb moment of like, Hey, this is how I get to connect nutrition and my agriculture background um, mm-hmm. seamlessly. Um, and so ultimately that's where the dirt road dietitian um, piece was born. And so just kind of from there, I've got to do much more agricultural storytelling and nutrition storytelling and connecting those pieces and connecting people, um, honestly, um, that people otherwise wouldn't have access to um, in, in both realms. And so, you know, connecting dietitians with farmers, but also connecting farmers with dietitians. They really enjoy that as well, too. I think that's such a neat piece. So did you kind of stumble upon the Oklahoma Beef Council as a farmer or as a dietitian? I did as a dietitian. So as a farmer, I've always known um, that we pay the beef checkoff. So for every head of cattle sold in Oklahoma, um, a dollar goes to what's called the beef checkoff, which so that's like the education research arm. Of, of the beef industry, right? So we're out here doing the work as farmers um, and that dollar gets invested in a lot of different ways, including nutrition research. Um, and so that extends basically what we're doing on the farm and they do, you know, like recipe developments. And again, what I get to do as a dietitian as well too, is communicating about the nutritional aspects of beef as well as the people that raise it too. So 
I stumbled upon it as a dietitian, though, because I was uh, um, on serving on the board for um, Oklahoma Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And mm. I was like looking up some old newsletters and things and on the website, hey, there's always job postings. And so I stumbled upon that. Um, and I was like this, I already knew what the beef council <laughs> did for us as a farmer. And I was like, yeah. what amazing way could that fit better for me as a dietitian to serve in that realm as well, too. And so um, it's been coming up on six years that I've been able to do that as well, too. Oh, wow. So, so did you stop doing clinical then in that outpatient role? And then you just transitioned into this position with the Beef Council? I overlapped both for a number of years, um, just because I wasn't, you know, one, one is secure and one is, (laughs) you know, like you're just kind of weighing all that out. And then to be hundred percent transparent, we had a lot of life happen within family and we had some tragedy and things that were really hard and tough. Um, and so it really kind of allowed me to kind of um, what I would consider was where can I embrace my hell yeah. And this was kind of yes. where that filtering agent was able to come. Um, and so I've been able to expand the beef council piece, but then also do some virtual nutrition coaching while also expanding our farm as well, too. So we now um, sell our beef direct to consumers as well, too. Mm. So um, it just consistently evolves and things have filtered the way that I feel like um like God has really positioned me to to be able to be in the place that I need to be for my family and professionally. I mean, it just sounds like the best of both worlds for you. It's yeah, it is. And I like it's sometimes I always look up to people. I'm one that loves to see what others are doing. And I'm like, I don't know anybody else out there that really gets to I don't have anybody else to look up to in this specific model. Um, and so I get to take pieces that other people do successfully and get to pick and choose and try to amplify what I do from that. So when you started, I'm sure when you started with the Beef Council, it was kind of like you were kind of winging it. So you were probably kind of figuring it out along the way. What have you done in the process to enhance the education that you provide as a dietitian for the Beef Council? Yeah, absolutely. So in the beginning, it was much more connecting with health professional organizations um, and some things like that, which I definitely still do that. But we've been able to expand it in much more of an educational realm, specifically working with dietetic interns, dietetic students um, to start with. Um, and basically, the Beef Checkoff has invested in me to become a better nutrition communicator. Um, and so basically from that, I know I didn't get that training as a dietetic intern. And so we are able to do nutrition communications trainings um, with our interns, specifically here in Oklahoma, which also allows me to just talk about beef nutrition, like just kind of put some things out that they may not know. But also the Beef Checkoff allows, like we have that. And so now we have more nutrition research that highlights the role of beef and healthy eating pattern, including Mediterranean style eating patterns. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of bring some of that to light, because some of that research was just done in 19, 2020, 21. Um, and, and then ultimately too, um, I, we go on some sort of beef ranch tour. Um, I want them to meet a veterinarian. I want them to meet a meat scientist. I want them to meet um, the rancher themselves um, and hear from them and hear what misinformation do they have ultimately from documentaries or social media? And I want them to ask the questions of the experts. So we're experts in nutrition. And I really feel like we also need to look to the other experts as well too, and provide them the respect that they have in their fields so we can be better dietitians as well too. And so I've really enjoy bringing all of those pieces of the puzzle together um, to hopefully ease some of their concerns um, and just answer some of those questions. And, you know, even within that too, you know, ruminant nutritionists or cattle dietitians 
Um, there's a lot of research at Oklahoma State University that goes on there as well, too, and really bringing those people. I have a pool of people that's so close to us. And so we're in Oklahoma. We raise beef here. Um, that's what our environment is is meant to do. And so really to be able to connect those dots for people is something I really enjoy doing. That is, it sounds fun. Like it sounds really fun too, especially because you are a farmer. So it's like, yes, you have that dietitian piece and you have that nutrition expertise, but you also know the realistic ins and outs of the farm as well. Yeah. And I just want to put a realistic perspective. I'm not here to, you know, there's nothing sometimes we want really glamorous things and I'm just, we're just real with what we do, but we also unique to Oklahoma. We grow wheat here. Our land is not super nutrient rich. Like it is further North of here to our Iowa friends and our Illinois friends. Um, we don't grow mm. corn or soybeans as much. We don't get a lot of rain, um, but we can grow wheat. And then basically the wheat is planted between September and October and we can graze cattle from November to March on that wheat. And then ultimately you know, pull them off and they go to a next phase of the life cycle. And then we can grow a grain crop here too. Um, you know, that's really unique to Oklahoma. And a lot of people don't really understand that symbiotic relationship. Um, and so I think that's important to understand what you're, where you are geographically, why, what that dictates, what you can do agriculturally, which is going to dictate, you know, ultimately what's being produced and how your farmers are using their land to the best of their ability. Um, and we use research from universities like Oklahoma State to, to even be better at what we do as well, too. I like that you mentioned the geographically, because like I think as dietitians, we think everything is farming practices are the same everywhere in yeah. the yeah. whole world. And they're not. Yeah. That's and it's right. So it's so good to kind of take it to that next level and think geograph geographically where you're from and how that differs from like me in Iowa versus you in Oklahoma. Absolutely. And Kyle and I both, my husband, we both grew up on conventional farming operations, um, which would be like where you till the soil, you, you know, like you don't, you don't want things growing consistently. And we have somewhat changed that to the best of our abilities to become more of a minimal to no, no tillage operation, um, where we want to keep things growing as best as we can to conserve water and, and really the nutrients of the soil and keep it shaded and things like that. Those things matter. Um, it also helps when it rains. We have not had measurable rainfall in, in a number of months. We are definitely in a um, mm. severe drought situation right now too. But anyways, we're just really seeking out ways to be, to do the best we can with the land that we've been given and really lean into those uh to the science and what they're really recommending as well too. And so we, the great thing is, is we are so privileged to be able to have generational experience before us mm -hmm. and that we can continue to build upon that as well too. So, and I, that's, I mean, that's awesome that you have that family history and you have that connection on both sides of your family because you, that expertise is very helpful too, as you're getting into it, as you're being your own farmers. But as far as like the dietitian aspect, what do you, what is your biggest challenge in educating dietitians when it comes to farming and beef and agriculture? I think it's just the access to information, or in my case, it's the access to misinformation. Um, it, um, there's just not enough of us in the agricultural space to make really flashy things that people want to click on and read about sometimes. <laughs> um, and so, but, I mean, there's just not enough of us, which is why social media is helpful um, because you can still, you know, share your story and do those things. But again, once you kind of put like a realistic perspective and dietitians really enjoy like 
like rationalizing and providing some science behind that of like, this is why we do what we do where we are. If you go to a farm in Eastern Oklahoma, they're going to be different than the way we do things in Western Oklahoma and let alone, you know, the vegetable growing in the Valley in California versus we do none of that here in Oklahoma. And I think too, I know I keep touching on the geographical part of it, but like if we don't have a good understanding of how to best use our land based on the weather and climate that's given to us, then it's really difficult to understand really the whole big picture of, supply chain, how food is grown, all those sorts of things. And it, it, it seems so simple, but it is really can be very complicated. But I really want I just would love for people just to be curious with their questions and continue to ask and reach out just to better understand. Um, because it's not something that we have ease of access. We all go to the grocery store and pick up avocados or mini cucumbers and peppers and all the things that at a at such ease that we really kind of forget, like, how did that really get to here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you said like earlier, like the crazy documentaries that people watch and the things that people absorb from other resources, which it's like you have these people like you, these educated experts. And like you said, it's not sexy to click on that kind of stuff, but these documentaries and stuff are causing lots of miscommunication. Yeah. And to, you know, especially in, in the beef, beef world, we know that like, every piece of the life cycle has a specific purpose. So we have cows and calves, babies are born. A lot of them after they're weaned from their mamas, they come to Oklahoma and graze on wheat during the winter. Right. So we have Mm. the groceries. So they come here. We don't grow a lot of corn here. Um, We don't grow a lot of that feedstuffs that, you know, when they're in their final six months of finishing phase, which is just, you know, four to six months of a finishing phase on grain, um, grain mixed diet with hay and things too but they usually go to kansas or nebraska or further north to a feed yard and that's where they're finished at and that's what you so like there's like a piece to each puzzle that they're not always going to stay in the same place um, but a lot of that's to do with like geographical location environments uh, may not rate as much further north of where we are but they also can grow corn and things because they're irrigated which is why you're going to see feed yards not in Oklahoma and you may see them in other States as well too, because Mm. they're using their resources as best as they can possible. Um, And so again, I think it's just the curiosity if people sought to understand a little bit more versus, you know, the doom and gloom of the black and white picture and and the cattle eating from a bunk, which they're very, very happy at doing um, then. And um, anyway, just to have the better, bigger picture of all that. And each of the, each little stair step has its purpose. I didn't, know, you know, I never even, I don't think I knew that. I mean, like, I think I knew that, but I didn't, now I realize, I'm like, gosh, did I really yeah. know that? <laughs> so these are things that go through Sherry's mind, okay? Well, I mean, I, uh, it's just interesting to me, but also I don't know, like my my dad recently went to up in your neck of the woods um, with on a John Deere situation because he, oh. uh, air seeders, right? So that's how we plant wheat. Um, and so he was like, they, he was got to go because he was like, Hey, you're from Oklahoma. You do things different than the guys in Montana. And so, you know, bringing each of those different geographical locations together for, for a company like John Deere was important for them. And each of them had a different agricultural story to tell. And to hear my dad, who is in his sixties and has farmed his entire life, really have light bulb moments about how different we were versus Montana and Idaho. Um, and even Iowa and Illinois was really li- is really interesting for me as well too. And so it's nothing like, it's nothing we should be ashamed of that we don't know these things because even mm-hmm. though those of us in ag have a really interesting um, light bulb moments going off as well too, because we just do the best we can with the resources we have. Make that makes sense. 
I can probably no. sit and just learn from you all day. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I enjoy talking about it. But I will say, so I would go back to with the Beef Council, I do a ton of education with dietetic interns, even other students like meat science students and on the ag side of it too. So I get to play on both sides of like educating healthy dietary patterns, whether you're a nutrition student or whether you're just happen to be somebody wanting to learn more about meat and the diet, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I've learned how to basically communicate on camera. Um, and that's been something is fun to do as well too, is really helping people get confident in the kitchen um, because that's not a basic skill that we have been blessed with, or at least in my education time. Um, and to be able just to show how to put together a simple meal that you can feed your family well and be confident about it and not to be a drag for you. That's something I really enjoy doing as well, too. So you, so part of your role, were you ready for media when you got into the Beef Council or was that something that you had to learn yourself? 100% no. (laughs) (laughs) But it's something that I've always been, um, I really have always felt like you always have to challenge yourself to grow. And that was Mm -hmm. definitely a challenge for me, a big challenge for me. Um, but I found out that I don't mind doing it at all. Um, and I really enjoyed, again, people are, people need that information. And, um, anyway, I just had kind of discovered that I don't mind doing it. Can I be better at it? Yeah, I could definitely get better. Um, but it's not been easy, but it's been something I've enjoyed doing. It's a challenge. I think you're great at it. So (laughs) I think you, you probably have, have had lots of experience with it. So I feel like you're very seasoned and you do a great job, but it's so funny how like these jobs, how they pop up, you know, like you are like, Ooh, this is going to marry all the things I love, but then I'm going to have this new challenge of doing media. And has there been any other challenges that you've learned along the way with this role? Oh man, there's so many challenges to it all. Um, there's, I mean, the, I would obviously the biggest challenge working in just, you know, with the beef industry in a whole, there's just a stereotype to beef nutrition and all the things that go along with that yeah. sustainability, all those things. It's a constant challenge of, of properly communicating it um, based on the science that's there mm-hmm. and being able to approach it in a way that I want people to be open-minded about it. Um, and also I can't take it personal too, if their opinions, if their opinions are not going to change, that's nothing I can do about it. Um, but I always do kind of uh, laugh at like, man, I got into two really hot button topics (laughs) in my professional world, just in agriculture, nutrition, people are so can get very heated about both of their um, opinions and in each of those respective um, professions. That I was going to ask you about that because it is, and I think it's very, it's hot buttons for dietitians. And I'm, I don't know, like you, I feel like you have to keep your composure because you just want to shake people sometimes. And you're like, Hey, we're, you know, we have learned this stuff on science. Like, why don't you listen to both agriculture science and nutrition science and bring them together and, it, it all makes sense, but they just, again, it, be, it brings in that personal side. So I'm sure you see that even with the people that you educate. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing I think is the challenges in the field of dietetics in general, we have to be very mindful of our personal, our personal um, beliefs versus, you know, what is, what, what, what is science really telling us to do as well too. But I also know that there are people that you're never going to change their mind. And mm-hmm. I'm totally okay with that. I'd like, that's that, that is okay. But I can't let that affect me like emotionally, personally. Um, and so, but there are such a huge number of people that are just curious 
And I want to help them get their questions answered. Like that's who I'm focusing on. Like if you're curious and you want to learn more, then come on in and we will talk. Um, and I'm not saying I know everything, but I can at least help find resources or start rationalizing something or we'll just, or we'll find the answer. Absolutely. What's Or the answer may not be there. We may not have. <laughs> that's <the answer>. true. <laughs> and I Which think it's okay. Some, exactly. And I think that's okay. I think that's something that we might need to talk more about too, is like, we may not have the answer to this. We may not know what's going to happen if we do X, Y, and Z. But in the meantime, this is the information that we do have. Um, so this is what we should, you know, going to glean more towards. Yes. What has been like your, I know like things have evolved for you probably with the years that you've been with the Beef Council. Um, but what has been like your biggest, when you think about what you enjoy the most talking about with dietitians, if you had to sit down, if you had all the dietitians in the world to sit down and talk about one thing, what was, what would be maybe the one thing or two things that you would like to have all dietitians know about farming or about beef or about both or about being a dietitian and working with agriculture? That's yeah, a tough question. It's a really big question. <laughs> like, I like, I'll give you my list. Um, but I like, I think whenever I do all of my nutrition educations and things like that, I never just talk about nutrition. Like I also am always bringing in the geographical aspect of it. If we remove something from an ecosystem or if we do X, Y, or Z, the impacts, secondary impacts it's going to have on us as a society or even just agriculturally as well, too. We can't have the black and white thinking. Um, and so I think, you know, there's there's one image that I like to use that I'm just thinking of just like the life cycle. So we, you know, cows and calves, and we're able to grow corn and grow wheat and grow all these things. And we have byproducts of things that humans can't eat. Cattle can eat them. So they're able to upcycle them, which otherwise that stuff would go into a landfill and contribute to greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and so I think it's just really understanding that bigger picture is zooming out um, that, you know, everything's going to have some impact on climate, but also as humans, we don't like to eat grass um, and ruminant animals like cattle eat grass. Um, and that can also provide us our iron, our B12, our zinc, and those sorts of things in just a three ounce portion. It's not significant. Um, and just kind of challenging some of that thought as well, too, is like the impacts that those things can have. Well, also connecting you to the person that actually raises the cattle that actually talks to the veterinarian that have all these other pieces to the puzzle that I just want people to understand the vastness um, that goes into making sure we have a safe um, and nutritious food supply. Which that's the goal of all farmers, of all people, no matter where they're at, like we do have one of the safest food supplies ever that we probably yep. have ever had in our entire lives. So that is such a good point. And like you said, like, again, going back to that geographical, like doing the best for what we have and what we currently have is what everybody's end goal is. Yeah. And I always say like, if you're going to go on a farm tour, or ranch tour, wherever you are today, and this farmer's going to tell you something that works best for them. And we could go to another one tomorrow and he's going to, or she is going to tell you something very different. And you'd be like, how is that possible? Well, each of them have their own different models and a lot of it has to do with the land that they're using. And so it just goes back to land use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge component. Like we talk always about the actual animals, but let's focus on some of the land. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when you are combining both of your passion of working with the Beef Council and being a farmer, maybe share a little bit more about how you balance out being a dietitian how you have two careers, basically. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. Sometimes I struggle with that. Like, <laughs> at least it's a lot of work. Um, and so there's a lot of overlapping. But like, for me, too, it's just I want to help people not feel so heavy about food. Right? I want it to be an easy decision. I want them to, I want to show you how you can balance your plate. How, where does protein fit? Do we need more fiber? Absolutely. Yes, we do. Like 75% of your plate should already be from plants, but is it not? Is it? I don't know. It may not be. Um, and so really just, adding that perspective as a dietitian just adds a layer of credibility. It's like you, you do know what you're talking about. And so kind of displaying that information and like, how can we easier communicate that to, to the common person, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. Um, Because as dietitians, I know we have so much information in our minds um, at the tips of our fingers that sometimes we have a difficult time boiling it down to a communicatable piece. Um, And so I think that's helpful to be able to help others do that as well too. And that can be through, you know, just walking through a basic recipe for someone or how to cook up ground beef and what do I do with the extra ground beef and then give them meal ideas to do after that. But also like these are balanced meal ideas, right? So these are things that you can do any night of the week and there's no guilt involved or anything, but it's still going to be delicious. Um, but then also just on the agricultural piece of just knowing and understanding like how things got to where they get to, um, I think it's something that I probably underestimate the knowledge that I have, I guess I would say, but it's just because I have had the opportunity to be around it my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, this answer is really muddy and I'm like, I really don't That's know how okay. to get to where no. I get to. <laughs> Maybe I'm more confident in, in the things that I do because I have that background. Yes. Yes. Oh, I would say for sure. Cause I know like I'm not from a farming community and I would have to, as you do a lot of education. I mean, I live in, I live in a farming community, but I'm not, you know, I don't have parents that are farmers are actually worked in as a farm. So I would have to do a lot more education to build that confidence up in how I work with people. So definitely appreciate, I just really appreciate dietitians that combine these two careers. Cause I know it's a lot of work and it's hard because farming is a full-time job and dietitianing is a full-time job. So, and then you have all these other jobs that you have as a parent and as, you know, as an advocate and all these things that you do. So it's kind of like, you know, you have to remember what lane you're in each day that you're doing it. I'm sure that's difficult. Yeah. And like, I just kind of block out, like I have, you know, I think in the planning of the week or whatever, you just kind of block out like which, things need to be done and like in your different sectors, but then sometimes there is a, a good amount of overlap, even just like this podcast today, like I get to talk about both pieces of it. Um, and so that's really fun for me. Um, I've, I even get to work with other state beef councils just as like, you know, Sherry with Glacier Farms, um, who's also a dietitian. Oh, yeah. And then I get to kind of, you know, lend that lens as well too. And so that's pretty fun. I will say, I do not know everything. I learn so much when I go on tours and host tours because I have been able to meet other farmers and ranchers. I learned so much from them. Um, that ultimately allows us to be better on our, on our farm and our and the decisions we made because there are so many more experts out there. Um, and so I think as a dietitian in general, I think that's always something to, to be seeking is the never ending, um, the never ending learning that we have in front of us. And I hope, we hope everyone's 
learning or trying to learn, but especially about farming, because I think that that, again, where our food comes from, like you said earlier in the podcast, like knowing where your food comes from is so important to our profession. I wish they would have taught that more in school. I didn't get a lot of that. Did you? I did not. Um, And actually that in, in um, college was actually my first experience with a shockumentary is what I would call it. Um, (laughs) It still bothers me to this day because it was so wrong. um, And that's, it wasn't the way it was being presented was like, this is, this is what happens. And, um, and I, anyway, it's, so it, it was definitely stuck with me. Um, and so I think it helps me do better at what I do because I understand what's being shown and what's being seen. Mm-hmm. For sure. Shockumentary. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if it is that shocking, it might be a reason for question. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> So what are some things that you're currently working on, whether it's farming, whether it's dietitian, whether it's build, what are some things that you're working on now for the future? What are you excited about? Oh, man. that's a, Every day is a new day around here, but I think seasonally it's very different. Um, and so that's what like people ask, what's, what do I do in my average day? It's very different. I'm very blessed to be able to work from home. So I work, you know, as far as contracting, basically nutrition consulting business, I get to work for agricultural groups. Um, so that's really fun and being able to connect. So the fall brings a lot of dietetic internship programs um, and, and tours and things that I get to do. So that's where I get to do a lot of the connecting. Um, and every year it's a little bit different. Um, so this is our first year back and in-person, completely in-person learnings and tours again. So that's really exciting. Mm. Um, and so, but again, it's kind of new again. We haven't done it in so long. I'm yeah. just like really, really don't know what's going to happen there. Um, <laughs> uh, and then so on the farming piece, um, just we are uh, now is the time we're preparing to plant wheat. So between now and October, um, we will plant wheat. This is if it rains. So we're kind of in a little bit of a, of a challenge piece right of right there right now as well too. Um, and so, and we don't, we didn't have a lot of growing of grass over the summer because we had minimal rain and it was like 110 degrees and wind blew all the time. So our oh challenge is, is we, we need enough roughage to get our cows through the winter. Cause that's what their bellies need is roughage. Um, and we didn't get a lot of hay that put up that we can usually supplement with. Um, and so we're just kind of managing that and figuring out what our feeds costs are going to be and like how all that is going to go and rotating and we'll be weaning calves and things like that. Um, but also the next big thing for me is my goal is to start shipping beef directly from our farm um, nationwide. So hopefully Ooh. if you see that, that will be hopefully my next big thing. Um, that's my next goal. Right. So um, that's exciting nationwide. Wow. That's a, a huge undertaking, I'm assuming. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> so, but we, we live, I mean, what we do where we are is we raise beef in the middle of the United States. And so it's just an honor for us, hopefully, to be able to, to get that to whoever may want it, if they want it direct from our farm or our beef also goes to the grocery stores as well, too. So we have, we do both oh, avenues awesome. um, for us. So it doesn't matter to me. Um, but if you want to enjoy beef, we want to make sure that you, you have the ability to, to access it. So this is a side note, but um, here in Iowa, we, I did a farm tour with a beef farmer and they were talking about how we just do not have enough inspectors in our state for um, farm to, to, you know, retail, like there's not enough of them in our area. Do you guys have enough inspectors to create that, to create, to enable your beef to be sold in retail? 
So that's the challenge. There's a lot of challenging aspects of it all. So um, to be able to sell a reef nationwide, you have to go through a USDA um, inspected um, processing mm-hmm. facility. And are there as many of them? There are not. Um, and to get a spot consistently yes. is usually a challenge as well, too. So we've kind of been working through that out for a couple of years. Um, but also, you know, like feed costs have gone up, fuel costs have gone up, and how many are we going to feed out? And you have to have freezer space and all the things. Um, and so there's, there's just a lot of moving pieces to it. Um, but actually to get into retail is, um, you know, that's not even something I've even explored yet. But so we just got our own label made and we're doing it just directly from our farm instead. Yeah. That's cool. I love yeah. it. Well, so, we'll you'll have to let me know and send a link when you are ready to sell it nationwide, because yeah. that would be fun to eat your beef. I would be yeah. so honored to purchase so some of that. We are <laughs> actually, I can right now, we, we have beef sticks and beef jerky. They're oh, stable, cool. So those can be shipped right now. And so glazierfarms.com, G-L-A-Z-I-E-R farms.com is our um, farm website and so the shelf stable stuff it can it can definitely happen but awesome i'll put that in the show notes too so if anyone listening wants to buy some awesome beef products we'll put that in there yeah yeah cool (laughs) so you have you have quite your work cut out for you (laughs) i just like like i told you earlier challenges right so yeah and my friend (laughs) My friend, Abby Hadari, who works with Kansas Beef Council, she has also said a best. So she also has worked in retail. Um, mm-hmm. She's worked in community education. And she said each job she has has better prepared her for each next step. Um, and I really believe that there's something to be said about that. There's just new challenges in each portion of your life. And I think each one, if you're ready for it, you can just, you know, keep embracing it. Um, and things are just keep filtering out. And so um, I think it's important to us, too, is to be able to, continue to create and craft things that are able to be passed on to the next generation if our children so want to as well too. I love that. And I love, I love just, again, for people that don't follow Sherry, I really recommend that you do on Instagram and we'll connect that in the show notes because you do just really, I mean, you're just down to earth about everything that you put out there. And I also attended a conference that you also kind of hosted. And I mean, you're just, you're just like one of the gals. And I love that because yeah. you're super smart. You would know a lot of things, but you also just really care about your, both of your professions and you totally display that in everything that you do. So I appreciate that very much. And that actually means a whole lot that it comes across that way. Cause that's very much how I feel. Yeah. I wish I could eat dinner with you every day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That'd be so fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so that's the neat thing too. So you've been able to see it on the professional side. Cause I do like, uh, in a lot of the work that I do in the consulting space, especially with the beef councils, you become an event planner. Right. And so you were able, I have such an honor. It's such an honor for me. There's so many layers to that, um, that responsibility, but we're able to connect the top of the top experts with experts like yourself as well too. And so that's another piece to my puzzle that I just really enjoy doing um, is to be able to connect pieces, not even learning from me, but able to connect them with other, other experts as well too. I know I was kind of, when I attended that conference, I was like, Oh, there she <laughs> I, I follow her on social media. I love yeah. her. <laughs> the behind the scenes work that I do that yes. you know, sometimes it's hard to share all the things or really get, get to get a good picture. But yeah. So like I said, to be able to connect experts with other experts um and in in the beef checkoff allows us to do a lot of that as well too and so it's a really really unique um and unconventional type dietitian position but it's really an honorable thing for me to be able to do 
Well, they're lucky to have you and you're lucky to have them like vice versa. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I know that we could probably talk about farming all day. Like we could always have a podcast just on farming. I think that would be fun sometimes just to kind of, you could share more about how many cattle do you have? How many heads of cattle do you have? Oh, right now we take care of about 150 head of cows, but the numbers will fluctuate based on babies. And then we have another piece of our puzzle called stalker cattle, which are wean cattle. Um, that are just here for basically eating our groceries that we're able to grow. And then they move oh. on to the feed yard space. Um, so again, an Oklahoma, a unique thing to Oklahoma. So that number fluctuates quite a bit. Wow. That's a, that's quite a few. You have quite, you have quite the operation. I love when you and your kiddos are like out in the field and just doing everyday life. It's awesome. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like we need a candid camera or the GoPro to like, oh my gosh, but they do. My <laughs> kids do. are great. They're getting to the age where they're really responsible. We can ask them to go do things. And we do ask a lot of our children. Um, and But they're with us pretty much every step of the way for the most part. Um, and so they see things, they hear things, they do things. So um, somebody's always watching. I love it. I love it. How old are they now? I have five and eight. Five and eight. So yeah, they are getting to that age where yep. they can do a lot more things and be part yep. of a lot more things. It's awesome. Yes. Yep. Cole, my oldest, he actually drove the combine when we harvested wheat this summer for the first time. And he would have, oh. he cut every acre we had because he was very proud of himself. Oh, I bet he was. That's pretty exciting for sure. Yeah. Very That's very exciting. Well, now that you've answered all my easy questions, are you ready for my hard questions? Oh boy. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Will you share with me some foods that you enjoy? Foods that I enjoy. Most of the time, it's something that someone else has cooked. I'm only kidding. Um, I enjoy. <laughs> I just enjoy all foods. Um, I love a good steak. I love a good fresh salad. I really, and I love ice cream. I mean, that's, I mean, you could just have all of that and that would be like the perfect meal every day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what about um, beverages that you enjoy? Water. Water. Yeah. That like is always, I mean, people are like, it's a lame answer, but it's a really good answer. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, so, and for me, it also has to do with the cup. Oh. So if it is not in a cup that I don't love, I'm not going to do it. Interesting. So you so are really I, passionate about your cups. <laughs> I my cup and a straw. So that's something I've identified that, you know, they were like, why do you, how do you drink so much water? I, it's in a cup that I like to look at and I like to hold, um, but it's also in a straw and I have it with me all the time. I love it. There, there's something there. I that's came across in some education with some clients about how you have to have it in something that you, that brings you joy. Like it's, it's you excited. 100%, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Um, what about scents or smells that you enjoy? Oh, I like the smell of leather. Mm, that's a good smell. And I like the smell, if you've ever smelled it, of freshly turned dirt. Oh, yes. That is a good smell, too. So we don't have that as much here anymore since we are primarily uh, minimal to no tillage. Um, mm -hmm. But we still have neighbors that do it, and I really enjoy that smell. You can smell it. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty distinct, especially it's, when it's done in a field. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what, what is something about you that maybe a lot of people don't know? Besides that you like to have your water in a special cup. 
know. <laughs> I know that's a hard one. People are like, mm. and if you don't have an answer, that's fine. No worries. I really like a clean vehicle. <laughs> that has to be hard on the farm. We live on a rock road, which is hence why my handle is dirt road dietitian or business is dirt road dietitian. So that's something I've had to overcome. But yeah. I, I know it's not ever going to be 100% clean, but I really, that's one day I will just always have a clean vehicle. It's <laughs> a good goal. There is something, <laughs> there is just something like calming about a, when you get into a car that's clean. You're just like, like oh, yeah, this is nice. <laughs> but there, I, yeah, like for me, it's like, I also realize that some things I just have to like put on hold for yeah. maybe the rest of my life. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's Especially on rock roads. They are not, yeah, those are... I used to, I lived in a really small town in Iowa, so it was like all rock roads and yeah. we would, that's what we would do on Friday nights. We go drive around in rock roads. We never had clean cars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, what'd you do last night? Well, I can yeah. tell by the back of your car. Yeah. Car's nice and clean, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> and what brings you joy in life? Man, there are a lot of things that bring me joy. And that's interesting that you, you say that order brings me joy things in their place bring me joy but also chaos brings me joy um, of just the unknown um, and the unpredictableness of our life that we live it's still something that's very much joyful to me oh that's beautiful because you kind of have to embrace that don't you when you live on a farm and have a farm and take care of humans and deal with weather and deal with animals and all those things. So we're, we are dealing with lives all the time and you just don't know what's, what's going to happen. And so, yes, you might be headed in for a movie date, but guess what? Things happen. Cattle get out. Um, They have a mind of their own. Um, And Mm -hmm. so you just learn that you can't let it impact you negatively. So I just have learned just to embrace it Um, and just, you know, it is what it is. It's our story. So it's a good one. You have a great story. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for sharing what you did share today. Again, I could talk to you for hours. I hope we get to see each other, whether it's virtually or something again in the future. But thanks so much for sharing everything today. It's been such an honor to be with you. I love Sherry so much because she is so down to earth and she really does share not only the pitfalls of farming, but also the joys of farming the fantastic connection of being a dietitian and what farming creates for her and her life. She shares a lot on her Instagram page, which I thoroughly enjoy. So make sure to follow her on Dirt Road Dietitian. And honestly, I love her products. I got some of her beef sticks from her farm and they are delicious. So find that website in the show notes and connect with Sherry if you're interested in farming whatsoever and how that is connected with being a dietitian. It's such a great resource for all of us. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.